Welcome to the latest episode of a brief series of oral history interviews with the trailblazers and pioneers who were so instrumental in establishing the Franklin H. Williams Judicial Commission. Each of the recordings is an excerpt of a longer interview conducted in preparation for a documentary on Franklin Williams. That documentary has been airing on PBS. In recognition of a 30th anniversary of the commission, the co-chairs, Justices Shirley Troutman and Troy Weber, and Executive Director Mary Lynn Nicholas Brewster, decided to post excerpts that describe the early days and the early challenges of this commission. Today, Peggy Cooper Davis, a renowned legal scholar, former judge, and original member of the commission, shares her thoughtful insights on the commission, why it was needed, and why it remains critical to the court's mission. I'm John Carr, Senior Advisor for Strategic and Technical Communications. What do you remember about the origins of the commission? How, how did it get started and why, and, and why was it even necessary? Well, um, I can't say much about the people who were responsible for getting it started because that was before I came on. Um, I can say a great deal about why there was a need. Please. It's hard to say how it was that the court system came to recognize that need. But um, certainly my own experience, both in practice and my experience as a judge in New York State, um, made very clear to me the differences in treatment um, among people of different races and classes, and the disaffection and um, hmm, resentment that many people felt. So the need was clear to me. Um, how it came to the intention of court administrators, I can't say. So the, the commission began its work, I think, with a, <clears throat> a series of hearings and, and meetings. I think there were more than 60 of them. Mm -hmm. Was the idea to have public hearings, was that, was that Franklin Williams' idea? I believe remember? so, yes. Do you remember him talking about or saying why it was necessary? Well, I remember that he was insistent that we not kind of sit cloistered in a room and speculate about the problem, <laughs> but rather that we um, get close to the problem and actually hear from people who had felt it. And I suspect you got an earful? Yes, absolutely. What sort of what sort of things were you hearing at these meetings? Well, actually, the judicial commission hearings had a very powerful effect on me, um, in the sense that they documented things that I had been seeing throughout my practice and throughout my time on the bench. Um, but documented them in a striking way, and I began to realize that the very fact of that documentation hopefully would have an impact. Um, actually, after I left the commission, um, several years after, uh, I wrote about some of the testimony in those hearings, and um, I guess my starkest memory is the memory of... Um, a gentleman who had sat on a jury, um, an African-American gentleman, and he 
was involved sitting on the jury in the trial of a young, very affluent white man who had murdered, I think, his wife. And there were two African Americans on the jury. And both of them were persuaded that the man had, in fact, killed his wife. And they were equally persuaded as a result of the deliberations, which can become, of course, very personal and intense, that their word was not credited in part because the word of a black man was not to be credited from the perspective of the other jurors. So they felt this simultaneous sense that instinctively this defendant was not the sort of person that the white jurors imagined as a murderer. And then on top of that, that they were not the sort of people that the white jurors were accustomed to crediting. And so they felt this double barrier. And, um, you know, it obviously had a profound effect on them. Uh, and it's a sort of testimony, I think, that repeated over and over again makes some impact. I hope it has. And it was also important to see the problem from multiple perspectives, not just from the perspectives of those who were within the system and understood that something was wrong, but also from the perspective of people who were experiencing the prejudice um, and seeing it more clearly than anyone on the other side. So, um, again, I think the openness of that commission, you can, you can call in lots of experts to tell you how bias works, but um, we were able to hear how it feels and how it alienates people. And that was very important. that get us through life. Um, it's hard to get people to own up to the painful results. And so I'm always skeptical that that will happen. And of course, it's probably because of Franklin's persistence and because of his insistence that the commission members listen to hours upon hours of... What were the initial goals, other, other than, I guess, fact-finding? Hmm. Uh, I think for different members of the commission, the goals initially might have been different. Um, for some of us, certainly for me, a goal was to document the kind of inequity and the kind of perception of injustice that I knew was in the court system. I think for other members of the commission, it was a very balanced commission. It was to find out whether those things were present. If you're going to have those mechanisms in place, you also need periodically to take the measure of the community and to have the kind of in-depth inquiry and the in-depth hearings that the commission had. But I think the more important thing is that um, 
public institutions in general, and certainly the justice system, be always mindful of the possibilities of inequity that exist. I think Judge Walker had, had told us that when, when he started it, he, he, he knew things were not good, but <clears throat> he didn't know how bad they were. Yes, yes. I think many people had that reaction. Do you think Franklin Williams did? Do you think he was, do you think he was surprised by what you were hearing? No, I don't. 